Hey everybody, it's James here. I'm so excited about the episode that we have today. We're going to be talking about Square. I've got a great interview lined up. We're talking about competing with Square, the Square price increase, how to sell against Square. So really uh, just a uh, episode just packed full with great information. Before we jump into that though, I want to talk about the cash discount and surcharge summit that I'm going to be doing October 25th. Uh, coming up here in just a few weeks, we're doing the, the cash discount surcharge summit. What is this? Well, we did it last year. I'm doing them every year. And we really dive into the nitty-gritty details of compliance issues. But even more than that, everybody's talking about that. We talk about the reality of how to sell cash discounting and surcharging. We talk about how to construct the right program, the right presentation, the right marketing, all of this. It's a four-hour workshop. It's October 25th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Now, I'm doing something different this year. Last year, we sold access to it for $295 per attendee. This year, it's free. The only caveat is you've got to be a pro club member. So if you want to jump into the Cash Discount and Surcharge Summit, here's what you need to do. Number one, go to ccsalespro.com slash pro, P-R-O, ccsalespro.com slash pro, and that will take you to a page where you can start a 30-day free trial of our pro club, which includes access to our private Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. We have a lot of content there, uh, exclusive content every day that we post. Then we have our training library that you get full, complete access to, our monthly workshops, and of course, our quote tool with priority support. So go to ccsalespro.com slash pro. Once you sign up, you'll be directed to a thank you page. On that page is a link for our Facebook group. You then just go in, request access to the Facebook group. We you know, pretty much immediately approve your access if you're a Pro Club member. And then you can see in the events section there, we have the Cash Discount and Surcharge Workshop. And you can go right there and you can join the event. Uh, we'll also, of course, email a link out to you as well. But I really want to get you in the Facebook group because that's where a lot of the value is of the Pro Club. So again, check it out. Go to ccsalespro.com slash pro. Get a free 30-day trial. Now let's dive in and let's talk about how to compete with Square. All right, everybody, I am here today with Bill Tresick. Bill is the president of Electronic Data Payment Systems. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm doing outstanding today, James. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for uh, taking time. Uh, we're Bill and I are going to dive into how to compete with Square, a really, really hot topic in our industry. Um, Bill's had a lot of success in this area. But, Bill, before we dive into that part, I would really like to start with some backstory. I know from talking to you, you've got a very interesting story of kind of getting into the industry and years of success. Can you give us a little background on how you ended up in this uh, crazy industry that we're in and then kind of what led you to where you're at today? Well, James, let me tell you, um, I've been in the industry since 1987. I started with GE Capital, okay. and I was collecting on um, delinquent uh, private label credit card uh, accounts. And, uh, and, and, and over the, uh, the, the late 80s, early 90s, I got into the, uh, the issuing side, and uh, we went to market with a, uh, a Verifone uh, Omni 320. Or I'm sorry, 3200. 3200. That, sure. uh, yeah. Yeah. That would that would do all the credit card application and add-on sales for private label and Visa Mastercard. And uh, what's funny is what I know today, we we would have uh, done things differently. But uh, you know, we gave all that Visa Mastercard acquiring business away to a small little outfit in Dallas, Texas, for a ton of years, and I mean tens of thousands of merchant oh, accounts that wow. we did in the mid '90s. So. Um, that, but that was my first introduction. Um, I did, uh, I did a, a small little auto parts uh, group called Napa okay. uh, a couple of yeah, times and, and, and got introduced <laughs> to an ISO 
uh, who had that who had that business, and we we again were just so ignorant to what what that was all about. And uh, but we we learned very quick, and uh, and so that was kind of my introduction in the early '90s uh, to the to the merchant acquiring side of the business. And uh, and then uh, slowly from there, I've worked for a few ISOs and uh, and just believed, uh, you know, in the early uh, 2000s, I could do it better, build build our own, build our own CRM system. Uh, so we have some technology and we have uh, a lot of knowledge about uh, pricing and, uh, and and competition and service because in our in my mind, service is is, is what wins the day. So um, that's a little bit about how I got here. Sure. So how so how long ago did you say you founded Electronic Data Payment Systems? 2003 uh, is when we is when we started, and we uh, we started in the attic of my house, <laughs> and uh, slowly slowly went through an incubation process uh, of a number of years and uh, a few office iterations, and uh, you know we just started our 17th year um, about three weeks ago. So um, you know again our, our focus is really taking care of the client transparency. A lot of that stuff's being set on the street. Um, but we are really, really walking the talk. Um, you know, our, our, our core why, uh, why we do what we do is to, to challenge the status quo, you know, of, of the sure. payments industry and to, uh, uh, to, to, to give options and choice to the small business owner. So um, we, we really focus on, on service. Uh, we do our own client servicing deployment training and support. And, uh, and that seems to resonate. You know, we have a, Sure. We have a group that uh, of, of our portfolio that averages about ten and a half years that they've been with us. So, um, wow, you know, we, we think we have a proven model, and, and we we keep people coming back. So we're pretty pretty proud of that. Love it, love it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, all right, so let's transition. I want to talk about Square. Obviously, the big news, of course, Square does this big price increase, and and actually, right after this interview, uh, we have Patty Murphy already recorded her insiders report. She's talking about that price increase specifically. So we're gonna kind of, we're not gonna talk too much about the price increase specifically, but the good news, of course, is that that's gonna make it even easier to compete with Square. And then your company's already been competing successfully with Square before that. So give us a little bit of the information of kind of like what are these keys to competing with Square, uh, even without the price increase you've been successfully competing. What are the keys in your mind of competing with a Square model when you're going after merchants in the field? So we have kind of a little bit of a secret weapon, and I think it's a very good question. Um, in, in, in our world, service is paramount, right? Sure. So our core values are completely focused on helping first, never giving up, being passionately driven, doing the right thing, and being intentionally different. So those are the core values of EDPS. And, and I think that in the marketplace, delivering good service, dependable service, trustworthy service, responsive service has helped us immensely. Um, but we also have partnered with a company who came domestically and uh, came to the U.S. in 2016. And we were one of the first people that they partnered with, and that company is called SumUp. And SumUp is exactly the same concept as Square, completely, uh, significantly uh, has huge market share in, uh, in the EU, um, and, but they had nothing domestically, nothing in the U.S. Sure. And so when they came to the U.S., they, they approached us and a handful of others. And uh, that allows me to actually market uh, one of the only standalone devices that is, is NFC, Swipe, and EMV capable, Bluetooth to my phone, Bluetooth to my, my tablet, uh, fully integrated POS system. So a lot of those same features at a much better price point. My, my price on that, on that reader is $19. 
Right. Um, and, and, and that's a, a really good, really good bargain for the merchant. But then we support all those guys through, through EDPS. And quite honestly, James, what we do is we use that as kind of the precursor to a traditional merchant account. So we, we spend a lot of time in the home improvement space. Okay. Uh, we work with a, a number of the national trade associations in the home improvement space sure. and are endorsed by a number of them nationally. And uh, a lot of these guys aren't doing ten or 15000 a month you know, in credit cards yet. Some of them are new. Some of them you know, just haven't made that, that transition to uh, accepting payments based on you know, kind of some, some misconception, misunderstanding of the costs associated with it. So a lot of times I go in with some and say, listen, let me just sign you up and sum up. There's no contract, right? There's no term. There's no annual fee. There's no PCI. There's no, there's none of that. Um, my swipe rate's 265. Um, and my hanky rate's 285 and 15. Right. So from a pricing standpoint, we are incredibly competitive. We don't have all the layers that Square has evolved to. Right. Um, and we do, and we do the support. Uh, so right. that's kind of the, the way we had decided to attack those opportunities versus um, deflecting them to, you know, a, a PayPal or a pay anywhere or right. somewhere other than Square. Right. So and now just just to clarify a little bit. So with SumUp, I'm, the way I understand it, SumUp is like a technology provider and you are the like back end processing there. Like what what is that actual relationship? So that relationship really is a reseller relationship. They they actually are the technology and main, they are the the payback. Okay. So they have integrated the whole the whole product and service, um, but they didn't have a way to aggressively, you know, introduce themselves to the marketplace. Sure. Yeah. So when they came to the uh, to the U.S. in uh, in sixteen, uh, like I said, I was one of the first organizations they reached out to just because of the relationships that I have with the domestic leadership sure. and um, the history with those guys. And we, you know, out of all of the bells and whistles and, and, and purple squirrels that we all see come across our desk, that was the first one that came across my desk that I, during the phone call said, send me the contract. Right. No question. Right. Done deal. Right. So we signed that deal. We have several hundred clients on that deal in the last I don't know, 12 months, uh, 13 months, because it took us some time to go back and forth and, and, uh, and get things ironed out. Um, it is a little different working with a company out of, uh, out of uh, uh, Germany, um, sure. not, not the least of which is the time zone difference. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but there's, a whole, there's a whole cultural difference, and there's a whole um, way of doing business difference between uh, what we do in the U.S. and in our particular marketplace and what they do over there. So, Took a little while to iron those details out, but uh, but they are the payback. They are the technology provider. We have a fantastic relationship with their leadership, and um, and and have regular conference calls with those guys talking about enhancements and improvements, i.e., the POS rollout. Sure. Um, that was something that wasn't here 18 months ago that is here now. Got it. Uh, so making some big headway there, and and I, you know, we we've actually got something we'll share at the end of the at the end of the podcast, uh, they, they were, they were, uh, uh, gracious enough 
to uh, to put a little incentive out there for me that I'll share awesome. with everybody uh, at the end of the show if anybody's interested in signing up or talking to me about uh, becoming involved with it. Got it. Yeah, because as I understand it, I mean, SumUp has a very unique relationship with you and your company, meaning, you know, it's not like an individual agent that wants to sell SumUp. They can't reach out to SumUp. Like, they have to go through that's one correct. of the U.S. distributors. Right, okay. So that, that's kind of that's what correct. I wanted to clarify. So, okay, one other thing I want to touch on as a follow-up here. So you mentioned that, you know, basically you talked about two ways you're competing. One is with kind of technology and kind of fighting fire with fire of like, hey, we have this solution that's just as good, better than, you know, Square and the same kind of model. But then you also talked about the service. So I'm really curious, when you talk about the service aspect, how are your salespeople, how is your company communicating that? Because I know that's really difficult. A lot of times it's like, you know, everybody's out there saying, well, we provide better service. You know, well, how do you, do you feel like there's any keys you could share of like, how are you actually getting that across to a prospective merchant? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And, you know, it's funny. Most of the time when people leave us, they leave us because they're they're closing the business, sure. or they've had a parent who's passed away, and uh, and they're they're taking over a business, and, and in that case, yeah, that um, that kind of um, retraining or reeducating process that you have to go through, we we seldom, if ever, hear why oh, your service is horrible. Right. But how do you sell that? How do you talk right. about that? Right. Um, there are a couple of things that we've done. Uh, so we, we are an A-plus accredited Better Business Bureau company. Sure. We have been that way for years. Right. Um, those, are, those are important little things that develop rapport and allow that, that prospective person to, to review websites, review marketing material, that give them a little peace of mind that you don't just achieve that by not doing what you say you're going to do. Um, the other piece that we do uh, pretty effectively is we are really in, in, in regular, very rapid communication with our clients from the, from the very beginning. A lot of automation in our CRM, but our staff, we have about four, uh, four currently uh, uh, client services folks, are in immediate contact with our client from the, from the first time they submit the application all the way through the enrollment, underwriting, uh, approval, deployment, training. So they get to know our folks immediately. Um, you know, we are a Synovus bank, uh, sponsored ISO with, um, a, a processing uh, partnership with, with TSIS now global, uh, global, I think, I think that's who, who bought TSIS this year. Um, and, <laughs> and so track, our folks <laughs> never even, yeah, our folks never even know that, right. They never even hear from these guys, right. But we do put a, a tremendous amount of emphasis of introducing our client services people Literally like a handoff. Hmm, okay, you've worked with Joe, right, as your sales rep and your account rep. Now you're going to see. Now you're going to work with Jandon, or you're going to work with Brandy. You're going to work with Tangela, right? They're going to t- take the process from this point forward, and they're going to be your primary contact with any questions, concerns, or issues you may experience. They're also going to reach out to you every uh, uh, in, in 90 days or 30 days from your deployment date. Um, and, and check and make sure everything's good. They're going to reach out to you in 90 days. And then every year they're going to definitely be reaching out to you for PCI compliance, and we're going to assist you in getting that done. So we introduce that relationship almost immediately to that, to that client. 
Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. So basically what I hear you saying is, you know, one of the big reasons merchants buy in the first place is that they're they're buying this person that's talking to them and like, okay, I like this person. I trust this sales professional. They're, they seem legitimate. And so what you're saying is you're extending that all the way through to the customer service onboarding of that sales rep is now able to say, well, hey, you know, you're going to have a dedicated person, an individual. You're not calling some general phone queue. You're going to be dealing with Susan at support and she's going to walk you through. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and what happens then, we're taking rapport and we're taking trust that we've built through the sales process and we are transitioning it in a, in a warm transfer to our client services uh, as, uh, process. And that, that client services rep then will hand glove that person all the way through. And by the time the process is over, they feel like they've worked with us and they know us really, really well. They know that person is going to be the person that they're going to talk to in the future if they have any concerns or issues. Uh, and typically, as, as we all have experienced, you change a piece of equipment, you move them from uh, a Verifone product to an Ingenico or to a POS system. Just that change, that subtle change, it just invokes a little bit of, uh, of anxiety and a little apprehension. You're going to get a phone call. You're right. going to be – it is so much more comforting for them to call and say, hey, Jandon. And Jandon says, yeah, Sherry, how can I help you? Right. There's already a relationship there. So that's been a really big difference for us. Um, we're not huge, um, but we, we feel that we're very nimble and very effective at understanding what matters to our, our, our client and, uh, and how to deliver that. So really we think stuff. it's important to pull that all the way to the front yeah. and start that relationship the right way from the, from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's, that's actually really interesting. I've never heard that, that concept quite that way before. So, all right, so let's, let's pivot back to square for a second. So obviously square did this price change because of the difficulty in pricing their model as far as flat rate and making sure you have things covered, especially the, you know, the coffee shops and the small ticket merchants. So I'm kind of curious, like, can you talk a little bit about pricing? How are you going after merchants specifically? Maybe they're thinking about square or they already have square how are you dealing with pricing uh, of, of this, you know, sum up and kind of your square competitor? Yeah, so, so we are very straightforward in our pricing. It's 265 card present, 285 and 15 card not present. Okay. It's that simple. So that on its face is incredibly competitive with Square. Um, you don't even have to get into all the layers that Square has evolved to uh, in order to, um, to be able to put that, that price point forward. Where it becomes effective for us, and this is going to be different for, for each person, um, but we predominantly work in that home improvement space. So just to give you an idea, my average portfolio transaction sale uh, for my portfolio is about $276. Sure. Right? So I don't, play, I don't play a lot in that coffee shop world Got it. or that five and dime main street entry sure. you know, retail world. I really play in those places where let me help you be effective. Really what I use it for is let me get you in the, the, the mode of accepting credit cards and what it can do to your business. Because invariably, we're going to see that sale go from you know, 8000 to 10000 to 22000 right. right? And I'm now going to come to you and say, now we're at a price point where sum up is going to be a little more costly than letting me transition you to a traditional account. Right. And that has worked very well. It's also worked very well in reverse. Where I've had long-term overhead garage door dealers who've come to me and they're just at you know fourteen grand every month or twelve fifty or whatever, and I'll go, why don't we just move you to sum up? 
Right. Like, Bill, can you help us with anything? We hate these PCI fees, or we hate this annual fee. Yeah, let's move you over to sum up. So we maintain the majority of our margin. We put them in a product that they really like. It's simple, straightforward. They enroll online by themselves, right? So there's really no sales effort there. Um, very, again, very similar to, um, to, the, to, the, to the Square model. Um, but we're putting them in a tool that's right for their business. Sure. Right? So I'm a real strong proponent uh, as, as, uh, of, of this. Look, if I solve a problem for you, then, then you, you have a tendency to, to trust me and work with me. But yeah. if I fail to recognize and help you understand what problem I can solve for you because I don't ask you questions, I don't listen to you, and I don't put the emphasis on what it is you have a need for, I want to put the emphasis more on what it is I think I can give you or do better than the next guy, then I'm going to lose that race every time. Sure. So we really focus on doing what we call meeting the customer where they are. Right. What is your need today? How do you, how does your business work today? I have moved probably a dozen clients off of a traditional merchant account over to sum up because the traditional merchant account, while it was in my best interest, selfishly, I could say the revenue was higher Right. Uh, it wasn't the right thing for the client. Hmm. That's, so that's really interesting. I, I think that's an important thing to, to, to remember. You know, you're going to do better if you meet your customer where they are, not where you think they are. Sure. And then I guess also kind of what you're saying is, you know, as like a retention tool, which is really interesting because I know there's a lot of companies listening now that, you know, they get that client that calls them to cancel or complain about the price. So they got a more competitive bid. And so it sounds like what you're saying is it'd be an interesting tool to put in that toolbox of the retention agent, the service representative, whoever's dealing with that, even the agent to say, well, you know, we do have another option if you'd prefer, you know, a simple flat rate or whatever. And so it sounds like you're saying kind of give them more options to even retain the accounts, right? Save two of them this week that way. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so... Where they called to cancel and boom. That's awesome. Hey, what, what do you think of this product? And they go, yeah, tell me more. And, right. And, and we've, we've saved two clients this week. That's awesome. Okay, so let's talk technology here. This is our last kind of Square-related question for you. So, okay. you know, many merchants are, you know, they are enjoying the Square Register. I'm thinking of, like, retail businesses that have, you know, inventory. And so they're actually starting to even use the technology of Square a little bit as far as that Square Register or some, you know, the, the Square app, things like that, um, to manage their business. So let's talk about, like, a, a retail business. What do you, how do you go after that business, especially one where you maybe walk in, they have Square already and they're using the Square register. Any tips or thoughts on kind of how, to, how do we attack these merchants that are using Square, not just for the simplicity of pricing, but also for technology? Again, um, I think you have to understand what they're trying to accomplish. Sure. Um, for us, um, my first inclination, I was in a place uh, yesterday, I had a meeting with a colleague in, uh, in New Albany, Ohio. And, uh, and we walked into a fairly successful, fairly well, well growing, uh, if you will, uh, retail uh, uh, Danish coffee shop. Sure. Uh, it's called the Fox in the Snow. And not to plug them, but it's phenomenal. Um, and I saw a square register and I said to Brian, I'm like, what is this? What, what is, why do we have square here? These guys are killing it. Right. Right. They're, I mean, they're crushing it. And my first inclination was to, here's my card like to talk to whoever's responsible for this because you're spending too much on the solution. Right. So I'm always going to talk first about the thing that is the largest pain point for the customer is, is cost. If you can really legitimately talk to me about a solution 
that meets and exceeds my expectations and is going to deliver financially for me, that's going to be a big, a big opening for me to have a conversation, right? So that's, that's where I always start. Okay. We can help you from a cost standpoint, but really what's important is what are you trying to solve? And you do uncover things like, well, it was just simple. Right. Well, what about these features? Do you use these features or do you, would it be helpful if you had these features to standardize reporting in your normal POS systems, your integrated gift card solutions, your ability to report frequency of transactions, all of these types of CRM based tools that are in a lot of your bigger, uh, more specialized point of sale systems um, that, that Square hasn't quite tapped yet. Right? right. They kind of have things going in the right direction, but they don't have it at a place where um, sure. where that enterprise solutions needed, but it was just easy to, to do it online and have them ship the, the, the unit out. Um, again, in those were in, in those instances, we do have, we do have a sum up equivalent that is almost exactly like the Square POS, and uh, and that's being adopted and, and received really really well. But in those larger opportunities, I really want to talk about a couple things, and and, and it starts with. And I know this might sound foreign to some folks, but it's not my money. It's your money. Right. And, and I can't tell you the mileage that we've gotten out of that. Um, if you look one. on our website, actually, our website will be out on Friday. Um, it's, it's, we're in the final phases. I would not encourage uh, It's not on our current website. But on our, on our website that comes out on Friday, our homepage literally says, it's your money, not ours. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So my philosophy is, listen, I recognize that all I do is move ones and zeros. That's all I do. There's a way we can do that in a way that's cost effective for you. And you can enjoy the benefits of accepting payments. But you're going to feel more comfortable recognizing that I understand it's your money and it's not my money. Right. So my job is to help you keep more of what it is you are earning and, and minimize what you have to pay. So that tends to be our, our Number one opportunity to talk to people candidly about solutions like Square that are applied in what we believe to be the wrong way. Right. There are other solutions that are less expensive, more uh, effective for what you need. But at the end of the day, if you can spend $500 versus $750, why wouldn't we do that? Right, right. Especially if you can provide the functionality and the features to solve their problem uh, you know, it's funny when you're saying that, Bill, it made me remember um, many times when I was talking to a merchant that currently had Square and they would say, you know, I'd say, why do you have this solution? And, you know, and I, I have much better solutions. And they'd say, well, this, it's so simple. And I'd say, did you hear simple. about the, And I'd say, did you hear about the car that uh, Ford came out with? It just has one door, just the driver's door. It's, you know, has four, <laughs> but just the one door. And they, they did that because it was really simple. And they'll, they'll just kind of laugh. And I'll say, of course, they never, that yeah. car would never sell because, yes, it's simple, but it actually doesn't do what you want. And so, Correct. you know what I mean? And kind of lead in. And so, yeah, I think pointing that out, I think a lot of times merchants get um, seduced by the simplicity and then they forget that, well, yeah, it's simple, but it doesn't do what I want. <laughs> so that doesn't really. Very, very true. Yeah. You, there's no bad as you get what you tolerate. Yeah, right. right? You, you deserve what you tolerate. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I like that. If, to your point, if you want to climb over everybody to go through one door because it's simpler, but functionally, in, 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 in reality, that's not really going to service your needs very well. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a really good a really good analogy to share. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. It has nothing to do with Square. Okay. Um, sure. So you've been in the industry for 30-something years, built a very successful uh, you know, processing company. 
I know we have a lot of people listening right now that are not where you're at. You know, they're the individual agent out in the field or they're a small ISO. They're still in the attic, you know, as you were talking about earlier. What is a piece of advice that you would maybe give to them to help them, you know, get to that next level? What, what would that piece of advice be you'd want to tell them? Wow, that's a great question. And there's, there's a lot of things you could, you sure. could share. Um, I think probably the, um, there's two real, real specific things that um, I've learned over the years that have made a big difference in, in, our, in my career and our company and our, our staff. Sure. Um, the one is surround yourself with smarter people than you are um, and trust them to do their job. Yeah. Um, that's a really big one, right seat, right people. Uh, doing the right thing, uh, you know, at the right time, yep. really critical stuff. Utilize a tool like EOS Traction. Don't mean to plug that either, James, but EOS Traction is a significant tool in helping you manage uh, the infrastructure, the inside of your operation, and, and and put discipline into your organization, and it will it will make a big difference. Um, but I guess the biggest thing to me uh, has been I really have to believe in what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. I have to believe that all of us can make decisions. All of us can can be intellectual about evaluating, you know, the pros and the cons and this and that. At the end of the day, if you really don't believe in what you're doing, yeah. it's not going to work for you. Nope. Um, when I started this business, I started this business with two children under the age of two. I started this business with less than six thousand dollars in the bank. I lived on A1A in Jupiter, Florida. Sure. In, a, in a rented house, I left, I bought a house in, in Northeast Ohio on a weekend, uh, back where my family was from. Um, I started in the attic of that house and uh, 17 years, 16 years later, going to our 17th year, we're, we're, um, we're a healthy, vibrant business. Right. I'm going to be honest with folks. No, I'm not killing it. Right. I love what I'm doing. I enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, our business is healthy and vibrant. Yeah. Um, I know folks hear these stories of, oh my gosh, how do I listen? Those stories are out there. Those stories aren't me. I'm a guy just like anyone else on you know, that's listening to this. I'm, I'm I'm knocking on doors daily, and and I'm encouraging my staff, and I'm I'm taking care of clients, and and uh, but it all starts because I believe in my mission. I believe that I'm the prize. Right. right. If you don't do business with me, I feel I, I there's there's this mindset. Somebody. Of, yeah. I feel sorry for you because you missed out on doing business with me. I can agree more. Because we are just that good. Yep. Right. So belief in what you're doing. Don't don't chase the purple squirrels. There's a lot of them that are going to come your way. If you're a typical entrepreneur, you love you're an idea person. Mm-hmm. You know, hire an implementer. Let that implementer run your operation, and you be the idea person. But stay focused on the objective and the goals. Work in 13-week increments, but it all starts with a core belief about what you're doing. You know, it's um, so that, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, you know what's so interesting, but I love how this interview we basically circled all the way back around to at the beginning. I was asking you about how do we communicate service, you know, to a, a prospective merchant, and you know, your answer was kind of like, well. You know, you actually provide better service, but you know, really, the funny thing is, the answer you just gave—that, in my opinion, that's actually the real answer, isn't it? It's—it's it's that when you and your team actually really, truly believe that you're the right solution for the merchant, that you are going to provide a better solution. You're not just saying it; you're living it. Doesn't that come yep. across in the sales approach in a way that's hard? It's hard to like on a podcast say, "Well, this is the script to communicate better service." No, there's no script. It's people can tell if you believe it, right? 
That's exactly right. That's a great point, James. It's authentic. You can feel it. You can hear it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am told that a lot. Wow, man, when you talk about this stuff, you, it's, you can see it. I and mean, yeah. you can hear your passion and you can hear. It's because I'm convicted about what I believe. Right. My job is to take care of customers, period. Yep. My job is, and, it, and, and I take it personal when a, when a, when a merchant leaves. Um, yep. I want to yep. know what we, where, where did we miss? Yep. Right. Because we are so focused on it that, that we have it as everything in our core values is about taking care of clients. Yep. So you have to believe that you are the prize. You have to believe that you are delivering now that, that. It's great to believe that. But I mean, belief comes from doing, you have to do it. Right. <laughs> um, you have sure. to, right. You've got to deliver. You can't just believe in something that isn't, that isn't real or authentic. Right. So I think it's really important that, um, that, that folks get, get honest with where are they? What, right. what do they really want in their business and what are they really trying to accomplish? And whatever that belief is, then believe you're the best in the world with that because that's going to fuel your perspective and your attitude towards delivering on what it is you believe you're the best in the world at. Sure. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so Bill, I can't let you leave the podcast until we we get our special offer here. I don't know what it is, so let's hear yeah, about some yeah, up and, so, and then tell it. And then also after you do that, tell us where people can go to learn more, of course, about you and, and the company and everything. Sure, sure, I appreciate that. So Sum Up has um, has created a discount code for me. Uh, it is EDPS Edward David Peter Sam all caps. So for anyone that wants to sign up for Sum Up or has a client you want to sign up for Sum Up. There's a step in the process online where they have to buy a reader. That reader is normally $19. Uh, they are going to put a, a uh, savings code out there for EDPS. That'll reduce the cost down to $14. Okay. And uh, if they want to learn more about uh, sum up, they can go out to my website, which is mysumup.com. And uh, we have a video walks you through everything on how sum up works. They can enroll right from there. Several buttons they can click on that say, just get started. Um, and, uh, and we will, we will be happy to, uh, to, to answer any calls to our, our phone numbers uh, on that website. Uh, we'd be happy to, to answer any calls, walk anybody through any questions they might have. And if they have a, a desire, uh, Hey, listen, can we do an affiliate deal? Absolutely. And we can do that all day long and, and have you uh, sign your deals up and, and share revenue and, and happy to do that type of deal with anyone who's interested. Cool. So that website is just like it's spelled, just like it sounds. It's mysumup.com. Uh, so definitely. Mysumup.com. Yep. Awesome. So definitely check that out. Bill, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. That was a lot of great information. I know our listeners enjoyed that. So I appreciate you taking the time for it. Hey, James, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and having the interest and, uh, and really appreciate you doing what you're doing. You're, you're helping a lot of folks out there, and uh, I'm happy to be uh, just a small part of, of, of contributing any way we can. So awesome. thanks for your time. Hey, thanks, Bill. Have a great day. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com. You know, James, that was a really cool interview with Bill, and I, I wanted to follow on with a little bit of specifics on uh, Square's uh, price hike. Right. 
you know, the uh, blowback, there's been some blowback, and while it hasn't been overwhelming, it's left me wondering whether they're headed in the same direction as more traditional providers. You mean making more money? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, pricing schedules that aren't just a flat rate, you know? Right. Sure. You know, sure. because, you know, that was always the big deal. I mean, with a right. lot of people that I know who use, who use Square, it's right. like... I don't like messing with all these different, different schedules prices. and, you know, right. just right. give me a flat rate and I'm happy. Right. So, you know, as uh, you've probably know by now, you know, the company announced in a recent blog post that it's changing its fee structure from a flat rate of 2.75% for tap, dipped, or swipe transactions to 2.6 plus 10 cents. And the new rates are effective immediately for new clients and on November 1st for existing clients. Right. You know, this this is really a significant uh, price hike for businesses that are selling small uh, ticket items. Right. You know, one article I read suggested coffee shops are going to be particularly hard hit. Right. You know, consider the example of a $5 cappuccino, which I think is probably a little on the cheap side for cappuccinos. <laughs> Today, but, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't drink them myself, so I can't say for sure. But that was the example somebody gave right. me. You know, and they said under the old pricing model, the cost of running a card through a square device would have is about 14 percent uh, 14 cents right under the new model it's going to increase to 23 cents right which is a hike of just under 67 percent well yeah and and, and and it's also the speed with which they implemented the price increase right like this is happening now now like <laughs> yeah don't yeah. blink and and i think too i think it's important to understand for those that maybe don't quite get the economics of the small ticket business you know they're on that cup of coffee after they pay employees and overhead and everything mm -hmm, else, mm -hmm. cost of goods sold. They're probably making maybe 50 cents, right. 30 cents in some cases. So to go from 14 cents, like like 14 cents is already like they're spending, you know, what, 15% uh, of their total mm -hmm. gross margin on the processing. Right. Now they're going to be spending 30% or Which 35 is huge. I mean, think about that. Yeah, especially massive. Massive, especially for small shop owners. Right. You know? This could literally take... Take a small shop owner from making sixty thousand dollars a year to forty five thousand. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know a lot of the people that I've said you know talked to have said that it could make or break some of these small coffee. Oh, houses, absolutely. You know, uh, I thought this was interesting. The only businesses that are really going to see their fees um, decrease. Are those with tickets of about sixty-seven dollars and above? And above. That's the break-even. That's point. the break-even point. Right. You know, and, and Square, of course, defends its action by saying the the fees for merchants with these higher tickets are going to go down. Yeah, but you know, and I and I have right. to admit, I have some friends who um, go around the to fairs and stuff right, like that. Sure. They sell like high-end handmade African drums. Right. Sure. They're going to love this. Of course. You know, they're selling drums for two hundred dollars and. Right. That's going to be a substantial reduction. Right, for so them. it's a fifteen basis point drop for them. Maybe thirteen when you add the ten cents in. But right, it's, but the ten still, cents doesn't matter much at two hundred dollars. At two hundred dollars, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right? Yep. So, you know, so here's what uh, Square said uh, to, to you know what they in an in a um, email to Bloomberg News. They said we're making this change to better align our rates with industry wide transaction costs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it said that its costs often exceed two point seven five percent. Um, and it had been charging, you know, that it had been charging, and the ten cent per transaction fee will offset those costs. And it also said that the uh, new fee structure 
quote, takes into account the full cost of operating our business and all market forces, which made me chuckle because how many years have we all been saying, Square's not making any money on this. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Well, look at when they look at their their uh, famous you know partnership with Starbucks. Right. You know that was to me the ultimate in stupidity. Uh huh. You know what I mean? And oh it, yeah. And it, it's so it, it was so typical of their early culture of we're not a financial services company, we're a technology company. Right. And it was like, yeah, we can tell. Yeah. Because you're not making any money. But, but, you know, having said that, I think that, at least in my opinion, and I, I actually, I was doing a couple articles myself, and I read their last quarterly financial report. I was just going to mention okay. that. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't know your thought. looked pretty good to me. Yeah. 1.06%. Well, <laughs> right. Um, and it was down from, um, you know, that was from the second quarter. Their profit margin was 1.06, down from 1.08. Right. I mean... It's still well, but the, but the key thing to me though, the big differentiator is even if their P and L shows a net net loss at the end of the right. day, they are they've been making investments, yeah, to purchase merchant accounts. And the other big thing you have to look at with them to understand is they are not paying residuals to anybody. No, no. So their margin is their margin. It's all theirs. And they're also when you talk about you know what their expansion plans, they you know they've expanded into lending. Right, you know, which is very, very, very prevalent. Very prevalent, um, especially with these small businesses. Right. The Bitcoin, the Bitcoin exchange mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they're doing. Uh, well, and of course they have the Cash App. Right. So they have a lot of they things. They have a lot of things going on that they're making money on. I mean, the right. fact that they're only making maybe a percent or two on this line of business is right. still. But again, though, the question is, what? What? So here's the here to me. This is really the the you know billion dollar question is. Mm-hmm. And you could, if you look at their marketing, you would see this number. But if they stopped all marketing activities today, yeah, what would they make next quarter right. off of this part of their business? And the answer is a ton. A ton. So what's happening is it's not that they're everybody's like, well, they're just losing all this money on their processing side. No, they're making a lot of money from the accounts that they already have. Mm-hmm. They're now going to make a lot, lot more. more. And right. what they're doing is they're just taking that profit and they're reinvesting it back into marketing efforts to get more accounts. That's exactly it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's, in it's, fact, they're investing more than they're even getting back. And so that's why they're posting a quote unquote loss. Right. Because marketing is not a capital expenditure. Mm-hmm. But really, they're actually just making an investment to buy merchant accounts. Well, they're buying, yeah, exactly. They're basically yeah. buying accounts, you sure. know. So, uh you know, I, and, and you know, I think you know, no, nobody's surprised about this. You know, if you know, as we said, nearly anybody thinks that you know, right. the the fees have been unrealistically low. Um, but you know, initially at least, no one seemed um, that concerned. Right. You know, and uh, since many of those early clients were these micro businesses, like right. my friends selling right, the drums, right. or sure. a mom and pop coffee shop that sure might not be accepting cards anyway. But, uh, you know, as the company's grown, uh, you know, it's become a real staple yeah. for these guys. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and I'm wondering if that's going to continue. Yeah. Well, and they have two million merchant accounts. Yeah, that's a lot. And you have to know, I mean, now, I think it was, you probably get to some of the stuff, but I mean, it was like, in the stuff I found, 54% of their volume, total processing volume, 54% last quarter mm-hmm. was for merchants doing over 10000 a month. Right. 26% was for merchants doing over 40000 Yep, month. yeah. So, I mean, 
they now again that's probably only 300,000 of those 2 million merchant accounts but still but it's like they've got i mean you know if, if i said like there's a, an iso in our industry today that has 300,000 merchant accounts i mean that's when, that's massive, massive right massive. and that's that's only the accounts that they have processing over 10,000 a month right yeah. So, I mean, they're a huge competitor. A huge. No huge. doubt about it. And even if they're only making a few pennies, imagine, they're, like you right. said, all of that money is theirs. They're not splitting exactly. it with any agents. And, and, of course, we all know they're not making just a few pennies. They're, they're charging 2.75% right. on right. the auto repair shop doing 40000 a month. It has an effective rate of 1.2%. Mm-hmm. They're making a killing off of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that, you know, in doing this, you know, in the way they've structured everything, they've really taken a page from Visa and MasterCard, from their playbooks, because, you know, I was reminded of, the, of this last week. I was writing an article um, for the Green Sheet, right. sort of like a brief history of modern payments. Right. So I went back and started doing some research. And, yeah. and what I thought was really interesting is that back in the 60s, when Visa and MasterCard were launched, the way they got merchants to sign on was with relatively low flat rate pricing. According to my friends who were around then, yeah. I, I was a little too young to be paying attention. <laughs> but my, sure. f- my friends tell me that the rates range between 2% and 4%. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is right yep. in that same yep. ballpark, you mm-hmm. know? And it was only once they gained market share. That they introduced complexity. That they introduced complexity, tier pricing, sure. incentive pricing, right. and so forth. So, you know, to me, the bottom line is, here is that if I were, you know, if I was out there selling, right, uh, I'd make a beeline to those merchants that are, you know. If with you don't have a list ter- of every coffee shop, you know, in your area, you're missing out. I mean. And, and sub shops would be another, right. you know, like not the, not the uh, subways, but the, you know, right, the mom and pop, ones, right, yeah, right, the mom right, and pops right. Because Well, you know, I'll tell you what's funny, actually, is Subways, I actually have Subway clients. They're all franchises. Oh, right, right. That's true. A lot of them have seven locations, and they're, like, freaking out about this change, too. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and the the other thing that strikes me, if if you're going to go into some of these shops, isn't this an ideal time to be pitching cash discounting? Yeah, it is. Cash discount or surcharge, one of the two, depending on the state you're in and what what you want to go with. But, you know, to me, though, too, I think the other important thing to note is, though, it is an interesting... Uh, sales approach, though, because it's not like you're going in there saying, well, we're going to beat Square's right. new rate. Right. It, their new rate is still actually really competitive on these small ticket but we're shops. But gonna, we're going we're gonna to save you the cost, period. Well, right. You could do that. You could do the cash discount or right. surcharge. And then I think the other option is you go in and say, does Square really deserve to keep your business now? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like. Right. Is it, you know, and again, it's funny because I mean, I, if I was square, I would have done the same thing. I just would have, you know what I mean? So, sure. but you have to go, wait a second though, but I didn't spend, you know, $400 million on marketing commercials to tell business owners that I'm 2.75% flat rate all the time forever. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. did. Yeah. They're the ones that have come back and changed right. their brand identity. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of pulled the rug out from under these businesses. And so I think when I would go in is I would go in and say, as if you were my client, Number one, I never would have sold you at a rate where I was losing money because I understand the industry. Right. I understand you, un- and you understand that I need to make money as m- much as you do. Right. And right. then on the flip side of it, I would never pull the rug out from under you. And if there was actually a real industry shift, which in this case there was not, right. And I had to do some kind of a price change, you better believe I'm going to give you 60, 90 days and we're going to have a conversation first. Yeah. Certainly not less than 30 days. Exactly. And, you know, that kind of reminded me, I was, I, I was, 
when I was thinking about this. I was thinking yeah. about a story you told recently. I believe it was on uh, the interview with Jaron about mm-hmm. how you know you'd sold some you know sold a, a you know a merchant and realized oh the leasing thing the leasing yeah thing, where I had right? to go back and buy the lease out yeah and it's like kind of like that right you exactly know? exactly it's sort of like wait a minute I have you know yeah time out yeah yeah and that's and that's the key thing and I think um, I think with with agents and ISOs if they can understand that and that's the pitch to the merchant it's different right. it's not a we're going to save you a ton of money over square because that's just simply not the case right they're still very competitive price and we can't but although you know if we offer you a surcharge or exactly cash we can for, we, we can, can we can eliminate the cost mm-hmm. And, but we're going to give you better service and better expertise regardless. And integrity. And integrity. And the yes. question is, do you want us to eliminate the cost and pass it on to the consumer, or do you want to continue paying the cost? Right. Yeah, good stuff, Patty. Really interesting. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, James. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So, Patty, this is our, you know, square episode, right? Right. So I thought, you know, what would be really interesting is really to talk about the reality of of flipping a square merchant, mm, you know? Yeah. What does it really take? And there's really two things that I want to point out today uh, that I, I really, one of them is really more for the agent and one of them is really more for the ISO to understand. So, number one, the first thing that the the agent really needs to grasp is that, if you're going to get out there in the field and you're going to, you know, flip square merchants, you need to understand that the pitch is different. Yes. And you need to have a plan. Mm-hmm. You cannot just walk into a square merchant and say the same thing you're saying everywhere else. Right. Square has positioned themselves very differently. Mm-hmm. There's many different lines of attack. I can, I'll give you several tips here, but there's different things you can do. But the key thing is that you have to have a plan. If I asked you right now as an agent, what is your plan when you walk into a square merchant? What do you do to sell them? What is the sales process? If you're like, well, I don't know, I just walk in. That's that's well, why you're not selling them. Door closes. Exactly. Right. Because merchants actually do like square. Yes. And this is the thing I think that really throws salespeople off is that generally speaking, when we walk into businesses with our other competitors, mm-hmm. the merchant, we can generally assume that the merchant, they may not hate their current provider, but they don't love them. They don't love them. There's the exceptions, you know, last sure. week, you know, talking with to Jaron, Jaron and Magathy and all that. But I mean, you know, generally speaking, they don't love their current provider. And so we can kind of go in with that assumption and that generates a very different pitch. Mm-hmm. When you're going in knowing that they really love that current competitor, there's only two things you can really do number one you can get them to love you more right right or you can cast a little doubt 
mm-hmm. on the relationship that they currently have that they really like. Right. 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 Now, I think one of the key things to do, in fact, uh, I've, I hadn't thought about this till now, but we actually have a um, those that are in our pro club. We actually I, I made four variations of a marketing piece. This is a really good example. Okay. I'll, uh-huh. I'll describe exactly what it is so anybody could make it. Sure. What we did was we went back and found four. I think it was four or five articles mm-hmm. from major news publications with headlines like Square increases their rate. Right. Or Square has increased their rates and coffee shops are screwed. Right. That was one of my favorites. That was one of my favorites, too. Saw yeah, too. I saw that, too. So what we did is we took that and we took a couple of excerpts from each one and we mm-hmm. made a, a, an eight and a half by 11 where the top half is these big block quotes from these articles with the article it came from and the date. Right. And then the bottom says, I think I think my designer made it where it says, consider the alternative. Mm-hmm. We have one that has the clover okay. with features and benefits. Right. We have one that has a point terminal and a deja vu terminal, kind of targeting the smaller and the cash discount type thing. Correct. We have one that has the PAX, what is it, E500, I think it's called now, that big yeah, one. Yeah, that big e, one. Yeah. Something, E500 yeah. or something. We have that one on there. Uh, and yeah, and that's it. So we had those three. Uh-huh. Um, and so the idea is you go into these merchants, depending on the type of merchant and what you want to pitch, mm-hmm. you give them this and put your name and everything on the bottom, of course. Right. And the idea is let's start the relationship by saying, hey, I see your, I see your using Square, and all I'm doing today is I just wanted to make sure you were aware of this price change since they did not do a great job of communicating that to their merchants, mm-hmm. and it took effect very quickly. Have you seen this? Hand them that paper. Right. Instant validity, because you've got all these news organizations, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, no, I actually didn't know about this. Well, right off the bat, you're you're casting doubt, mm, right? Right, sure. Now, the next thing you're going to do is to consider the alternative, and so now you're going to talk about and say, well... I know you're with Square. I'm sure there's things about Square that you like, but let me just tell you for just a second some of the things that we can do for you. Mm-hmm. And then what I would love to do is schedule a time to come back when you're not so busy and just talk through the Square price increase and some of the alternatives to make sure you're prepared. Yeah. So in my opinion, selling somebody from Square is always going to be a two to three stop close. Sure. You're not going to sell them on the spot. Right. They're not, right. They're not throwing their Square register in the garbage can. No, no. But you've got to have a plan. You've got to have some marketing materials. You've got to have something that you can do a show and tell. So show and tell is really helpful, so particularly particularly with really small merchants. It is. You know? They like that. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, so that's really my advice for the agent. Mm-hmm. Here's my advice for the ISO, the the even the three or four person ISO, all the way up to the big ones, and that uh-huh. is, Square is willing to invest heavily to buy merchant accounts. Yes, it is. You have to be willing to fight fire with fire here, Mm -hmm. and you have to make some capital available to your agents to get these accounts. Yes. Now, what exactly are they going to use this capital for? Really two things. Number one, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to provide the hardware for free. Yes. That's it. There's no question about it. It's It's, just... That's all part of the simplicity equation. It is. And again, to be clear, I'm not saying somebody who's considering you versus Square, because Square does charge for the hardware. Mm -hmm. Square's hardware is not free. But if somebody already has Square, right. you're going to have to provide something. Now, obviously, if they want a, you know, an Aldello or something, right, of right. course I'm not, you yes. know, that's yes. an upgrade. Full feature, you know, functionality. Right. I'm talking yeah. about a Clover Mini. I'm talking right. about a Point Terminal. I'm mm-hmm. talking about something along these lines. You and know, that's you, not a huge investment no, to make. it's not. It's under $1,000 right. in most cases. So, you know, you're going to have to make that investment. The other investment you're going to have to make is more of a kind of an operational investment, whereas you've got to offer a buyback program. Uh-huh. If you Now, here's the great news. You can go on Amazon. You can go on eBay. I wrote an article about this recently where the resale value of the Square Register 
uh-huh. is really good. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Really good. Okay. So the great news is, now the merchant, you don't want to put them through that, of course. Of course not. Right? But the idea is, hey, look. Here, you know, here's our chart that my ISO gave me as an agent. Mm-hmm. Here's how much we're going to credit you on your first statement when when we take back your square register or your square swiper or your square whatever. Right. Right. Whatever hardware they have, you have your little chart. You're going to inventory that and take that back. That's going to get shipped back to the processor or whatever program you have. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go and you're going to resell it on Amazon or eBay and you're going to make most of your money back. Right. You right. Know, maybe 80% of your money back. Shoot. That's not bad. Yeah. And so if you can put those two things together for your agents, so it's like, here's our marketing approach, here's our marketing materials, here's the pitch that we're using, the approach we have, and if you get them interested, here's how we're making capital available. Right. Now, of course, the residual split in those situations might be less, or it might be, we're going to keep your residual on this account for X amount of months until it's paid back or mm-hmm. whatever. We're going to split it. You get the idea. You got to put some kind of a structure together. Of course, I'm not suggesting the ISO needs to bear the brunt of all this. No, but the, you know, certainly, but um, they do. <laughs> yeah, but certainly uh, help shoulder the help to shoulder the Exactly. Cost, you yes. Know? Yeah. Very important. And I think that that's a really wise investment because think about it, James. I mean, you're you're providing these small merchants with a much more sophisticated uh, level of solution. service and so, right. solution sure. and level of service. Yes. And if that if this is a smart merchant, they're going to be building their business. So over time, right. right. You're going you're gonna to yeah. make that back. And you know, the last thing I would say though, Patty, and a really good note on that is that's so interesting to me. I don't think ISOs, I don't understand, they, they just don't seem to understand this threat. They really don't. No, they don't. They never have. No, and, it, and it's like, I get it because they started with micro-merchants, and mm-hmm. everybody thinks they're losing all this money, so they're going to go out of business. Yeah. They're not going to go, gonna out, go of out of business, and no. they're now, they just acquired a company, to a POS company, and they've integrated to specifically target fine dining restaurants. Yes. Like, they are in this for the long haul, mm-hmm. and in your market right now, I would be willing to bet you that there is not a single competitor you have that will sign more merchant accounts next month than Square. Square. So yeah. you you have a choice to make. You can either let Square take over your market slowly and painfully, mm-hmm. or you can fight back. And when you see a merchant that's with Square, make sure your agents don't turn around and walk out the door. Right. Give them something, but not don't give them a piece of paper and say, go show them this. Well, that's good, but what's the pitch? What are the objections? That's only right. That's and only then gonna... where's the money? Right, the, you know, the, the, the tip sheet or whatever, right? It's only going to get you in the door. Right. It's not going to keep you there for long. No, and when you actually get them interested and they're like, you know, maybe I would like to switch to your solution. What would I have to do? Well, let's see. You'd have to pay me $1,400. Yeah. And then you'd have to throw your square in the garbage can and then we're all set. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, right. I'm not going to say yes to that. you got to have a program. you got to have something that makes sense. So, you know, my advice is, number one, do compete with Square, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can we please stop letting them just, I mean, literally, you would not believe how many salespeople I talk to that just walk out. Just they, they, Basically, it's like letting them ride roughshod over the over The, the industry. whole industry. Yeah. It's like with their new price increase, they're now down here in the mud pit with the rest of with us. The rest of they're us. not floating above and, you know, like, no, no, no. Let's go attack, but to, we have to go on the attack with a plan, and we have mm-hmm. to actually have the money backing this plan so we can win. Right, and it's not a lot of money. No, it's not. I mean, you'd, it's not. You'd waste that. I mean, no, if not you know, you'd spend that kind of money on on a few conferences. Well, yeah, and and if you, you think know? about it too, it's like you know, a lot of these companies are already paying a lot of upfront investment to get these accounts anyway. Right. It's time to talk to the agents and say, hey, look, we're still going to have our normal comp plan for all of our other competitors, mm-hmm. but the next six months is square. 
square time. I, right? I agree, James. And so yeah. we, we can't pay the same upfront bonus because we have to spend $1,000 to get each one of these accounts and your residual is a little less. But here's the thing. Right now, you're getting nothing and you're walking out of these businesses mm-hmm. anyway. And so with this new something. plan, you get something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, that's my tips. Great stuff, James. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.